Hey friends, this is PK, your guest host. And on this episode, we have Jim Everton and Mark Wickham. They'll be talking about church properties and the vision for church properties. We'll also talk about a culture of hospitality as we think about using our own homes to bring others into our lives. Hope you are edified. Welcome back to the Disciple Henson Podcast. And on this episode, we have two guests with us, one of which is our associate pastor, Mark Wickham, but the other is Jim Everton. <laughs> Welcome, Jim Everton. This is, I believe, your first episode with us. It is my first. Okay. And how do you feel right now joining us, I Cast and Pods? Great. Yeah, yeah. I'm- I have my friends here and uh, it's very relaxed, very nice. Great. Since you're the newest guest on the podcast, uh, we just want to hear, you know, how you became a Christian. What's your connection? What's, the, what's your connection to Hinson um, and anything else that you've um, done here at Hinson? Yeah, sure. Um, I come from a long line of Oregonians. So I was born in Medford and uh, I my parents were believers uh, so that was great. Uh, they weren't terribly verbal about that, and uh, they were in a church that wasn't particularly evangelical, mm. although the gospel apparently was preached at times. I didn't quite know that. Uh, but uh, it was. Uh, I grew up in a church of the Brethren. That's one of the Anabaptist churches. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, I was actually baptized, well, I would say dunked, at the age of 12. You did a public shower? Uh, yeah, no. okay. It was, yeah, yeah sort of. It okay. Was, uh, it was in a tank, and um, it was actually, uh, I took a little class on baptism. Was not a believer, but I thought, well, this is a thing to do. I must be a Christian, okay. apparently. Uh, so I did that, and uh, baptism in that church was a little different than we practice it. You get dunked three times. Mm. So I guess they were trying to make sure, you know, father, son, like and father, son, spirit. Okay, all right. Yeah, so, it's the trifecta. Of course, <laughs> yeah, it's great. Uh, yeah, so, that's great. Uh, so I survived that, and uh, but I kept uh, being depressed and uh, just knew that something was wrong. Something was off yeah. through my life, and so I went to college. Started there down in California. Where did you go to college? Uh, it was the University of Laverne. Okay, uh, outside of L.A. Uh, so I started there. And then transferred back later on um, because of money issues. And uh, so at that point, though, I started to date a girl that I had grown up with at the church. We knew each other since we were six years old. Yeah. She uh, was a believer, but really not quite walking with the Lord. Mm-hmm. But she was dating me. Her mother did not like that uh, because she, her mother was, you know, she, she was pretty savvy. She knew what I was like. So uh, we kept dating, but then uh, it was Terry, my wife, who actually became uh, convicted of the way that she was living, and she really her life got turned around. And so she started bringing her Bible on our dates, and uh, I thought that was kind of weird. She'd sit there and read her Bible, uh, but for some reason, you know, the Word of God got into me. Yeah. And at one point, she she actually explained the gospel to me. Wow. I went home that night. And I remember vividly, uh, the fireplace was still going. I, I stood on the hearth and, and I just asked God to come into my life and, and to forgive me of my sins. 
And it was apparent right off that there was a major change. It yeah. It was amazing. And uh, how old how old were you when I this happened? I was twenty. Uh, okay. Yeah, I was twenty. And uh, so uh, Terry's mom could see the difference right yeah. too. So uh, anyway, we kept dating, and about eight months later, we were married. Yeah. And uh, so then, from then on, I had numerous careers, but um, there was always a restlessness there. And in the late seventies, we Terry and I both just knew that we need to examine our lives. Yeah. Where are we going? And uh, so I I was reading all kinds of books in those days, like uh, Francis Schaeffer, Watchman Nee, okay, um, Souls and Eatson. I mean, all kinds all over the map. Yeah, and, uh, trying to get some help here, uh, and the, obviously the Bible too, but it just wasn't clicking. Uh, but God used um, a humble missionary at our home group one time. Wow, he, he came home from uh, I think it was Indonesia. And he just challenged us, you know, on about where our lives are going. Yeah. And that kind of started the pathway to missions. And uh, a couple of years later, 1981. Then and when, when you got married, uh, were you at Hinson at the time or are you still at that Brethren Church? Or uh, We were kind of at the Brethren Church, but moving out of there to a yeah. little community church. Okay. That was a lot more solid. Yeah. yeah. And did you do your mission stuff before you came to Hinson or you came to Hinson no, first? No, we started 1974 okay. uh, at Hinson. 1974. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, yeah. So, in 1981, we were sent out by, by Hinson wow. as one of their global workers. Yeah. I've seen uh, some old pictures in the, I call oh, yeah. them the yearbooks, the Hinson yearbooks, <laughs> but uh, actually they're just membership uh, directories, but, yeah. you know, they're all fancy colored and everything. So, yeah. Yeah. okay. But if, if you're, a Disciple Hinson listener, um, you can definitely uh, contact uh, Jim and Terry for more stories on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I would love to hear all the stories, but um, you know, you did your missions thing and then you came back. Um, right. And what, what what did you do for the church when you came back? Well, in 19, end of 1995, we came back. 96, uh, uh, I was asked to join the church staff uh -huh. as a facilities director. Okay. But I wanted that to be a little more expansive. And yeah. And so I I told uh, the, the folks uh, who were actually interviewing me that uh, I really wanted time to spend in the neighborhood. And so they agreed to that. Yeah. And also to go back to Zaire, which is where we had been yeah. occasionally. So, uh, so we did that. And... Um, so that was my position so, until 19, uh, 2017. So, oh, so 2017. And Mark, were you some sort of facilities director or what, like, what was your role in relationship to like the church facilities? Yeah. So, uh, in 2017, uh, I had been at Hinson at that time for four years. I was already an elder and, uh, Jim came and talked to me about, you know, he wanted to retire. He's mm -hmm. ready to be done. And, uh, wanted some freedom and to have some fun. And, uh, and so we talked about that, but I, I had little interest in being a facilities director. And I kind of told Jim that, and Michael Lawrence followed up with me and said, actually part of what Jim's communicating is we'd love for you to be on staff to think about facilities in relationship to a pastoral role. What does mm. it look like to be pastorally minded as an yeah. administrator of facilities and how we use what God's given us. Yeah. So uh, in light of that, uh, that's why I brought both of you guys here because we have the history books right in front of me, right on the facilities director. Uh, you were, um, Mark, you were my landlord for a time. Yep. 
And, um, you know, I just want you guys to uh, walk us through uh, first, like what properties that Hinson owns. Um, and then uh, just give us a little history of how that came to be. So what do we have? Uh, well, the uh, we have two main church buildings, uh-huh. uh, one the annex and then one the main building. Okay, so the main building, that's the castle. That's the castle. What's the uh, annex building? Annex building, uh, well, we just call it the annex, built in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was bought by the church, by our church in 1986. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, we got the... Got the main one, which was, uh, we moved into this one, what was called Eastside Baptist at that time, yep. 1918. 1918, okay. Yeah, so, uh, and then uh, following That's that, a cool name, Eastside Baptist Church. Was that the original name of Hinson? That was original Back in the name. day. Yes, yes, how, yes, but. Has a nice ring to it. It does. Uh, people have always asked me over the years, what what's a Hinson? Yeah, what's a, what's a Hinson, right? Yeah, like, right. Yeah, it sounds was, like uh, something you make up in the lab or something, right? Yeah, of course. Uh, yeah, of course, I was named after the famous pastor in those days. Yeah. yeah. So um, I just want to uh, walk through. So, you know, we have the main building, the castle. We have the annex building, kind of the offices and where Eastside um, Coffee is. And then we have a lot of church housing. So... I just want to walk through maybe like the vision and goal for each of those categories. So let's start with the the main building. Uh, what's kind of the vision and goal for the main building? Well, I think um, or in total all of them. Yeah. If you so want. yeah. To kind of start with the main building and annex, and then Jim, I'd love to hear your thoughts on kind of how we started with housing and what what that's looked like and its change over the years. But with the main building, it's continued to be the place of kind of our primary. Um, place of worship on Sundays, mm-hmm. uh, bringing groups in for Bible studies and kids ministries. And it's really uh, it, because of the way it stands out in the neighborhood, it's an, an, identif- an identifiable place uh, for us to gather as a church in yeah. this neighborhood. Uh, and so continue to use it that way on Sundays and throughout the week. The annex uh, is a little bit different of a creature because we've used it at times uh, when we've needed to do construction on mm. the main building. We've used it for our services down there. Okay. Um, but we continue to use it for our own office space as well as renting out to other nonprofits. Um, and our, you know, one of our, our goals going forward is to use that more uh, for ministry kind of outward looking towards the neighborhood. How mm. do we bring the neighborhood into us yeah. to be able to minister in that way using Eastside Coffee in particular? where the main building will continue to function very much for our church body on yeah. Sundays as a place of gathering, the annex will be uh, more of a place uh, of continued kind of outreach and looking outward. Uh, but then we have all of our housing. And yeah. Jim, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, the housing was bought over a period of many years. Uh, early on in the 1940s, 1950s, some of the houses right close to the church were purchased. Uh, a couple of them that were given to the church mm-hmm. by church members. Uh, and then in the 80s, when we bought the annex, there was a whole bunch of residential property that came with that, uh, which we some of that we have uh, disposed of, uh, but we still have a, a quite a bit. And uh, there was no real intentionality at first. Mm-hmm. Uh, for and how many units do we have? Uh, yeah, in terms of uh, ch- church housing. We have 20, Tw- 24, I believe. Four, yeah. So we have a lot of units. And w- the original back in the day, what were they using it for? The uh, housing. Just, well, it was just for anybody to rent. Uh, so, uh, for instance, when I started, there were some church members 
but others just people uh, in the neighborhood uh, who were, were renting. And so that that was the main change that happened. Yeah, because that didn't always go well. No. Having non-members. Do you, do, you have a, do you have any stories with that? Like, well, what do you mean it didn't go well? Uh, you can just share one. Uh, just, just give us a little flavor. Okay, well, there, there's always the, the stories about people with animals that uh, would, and sometimes kind of oddball things going on with animals that uh, were were not uh, helpful to the condition of the houses. Yeah. Um, we did have some people that uh, liked parties. Uh, okay. And uh, that was never never a good situation. The worst one, here's the worst one. Okay. <laughs> uh, we, there was a, a couple that was put into one of the housing units. And uh, unfortunately, they were... Uh, addicts and so that came to light early on when the neighbors started complaining and so uh, that was a very difficult time and uh, removing them uh, so yeah all those kinds of things yeah, yeah you really don't want uh, the neighborhood around the church calling the cops on the church housing well never really helped okay <laughs> yes and 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 just to be clear we we want to engage with unbelievers we want to love and care for our neighbors so you know because we're not, you know, opening the church housing to just random strangers, uh, it doesn't mean we don't love them, but there's a different purpose. So, and Jim, you started this switch. So we went from free for all, anybody could live there. And then Jim, what, what, what was your thought behind kind of making that transition? Well, uh, the best way to engage the neighbors is to actually have hints of people living here. Mm -hmm. uh, and so rather than, than people coming in and uh, trying to, uh, talk to the neighbors who are outsiders, you know, yeah. so you have actually people living here uh, doing that and just living life. So there there were numerous fits and starts with that. Yeah. It took a long time yeah. to make the transition. Yeah. And one of the things that uh, we kind of pressed into as I transitioned on was thinking about not just um you know, any members, but thinking about what does it look like to have those who are actively supporting the work of the ministry here, who are well engaged in the church body, so that could be deacons, those serving in particular roles, and and how that impacts our testimony to the neighborhood, our yeah. opportunity to reach out, because it's not just, oh, there's affordable housing in this neighborhood, but how do we help those who are actively involved who couldn't otherwise afford to live here? Uh, be closer to the church, readily available. And so one of the conversations we have with uh, those who live in church housing as they come in is just a recognition of, hey, part of the commitment of living in church housing is we're going to kind of call on you to host things, to be available, to bring people into your space, uh, to be really engaged with the neighborhood for gospel opportunity and for church ministry. And and that's just kind of an underlying um, understanding for anybody that comes into church housing is we want you to be active and available. That's why we're making this opportunity. Available. Yeah. And what, uh, what I love about, uh, just all the things that you guys talked about with the main building, um, the annex, and then the church housing, it's all like the building is a means for word centered ministry. So like the main building, it's a means for the preaching of God's word, um, Bible study. It's, it's a place where disciple discipleship could be happening. The annex, it's, it's a means of getting the word out 
to our neighbors and to our community. And then with our church housing, it's kind of a both and. It's like for both discipling and evangelism. How do we be a good neighbor and, you know, love our neighbors well with the gospel? And so I wanted to uh, touch on that um, in a little bit here. Um, but just in terms of church properties as a whole, what's what's the upcoming projects? Like, I mean, when I look at the castle, it's an old building. So what, what do you got in store in terms of future plans? Yeah. So in the main church building, we're always going to have uh, projects that are up and coming. Um, you know, it, one of the issues with having an older building is a roof repair is never just a roof repair. Uh, it's going to require additional work and money. Uh, and so trying to plan ahead and think about uh, what types of things like roof repairs, parking lot repairs, HVAC repairs mm-hmm. or advancement. Um, no doubt, I think a lot of people would love for us to have a full HVAC system in the main building to cool off on Sundays. Especially in the summer times. <laughs> I was sweating real hard <laughs> the last few weeks in, indoors. <laughs> it gets real hot in the summer and real cold in the winter. So, uh, But you know, all those projects come with a, a pretty hefty price tag. In the annex, um, our main part of that building, there's an auditorium in the center uh, in between kind of that coffee shop and the offices. And with that auditorium, currently we're working with the city on making it a usable space. Uh, We're not allowed to host large groups in there because Mm -hmm. of some fire code concerns. Uh, And so we're working through with the city on what does it look like to remodel that space in a way that allows us uh, to bring people in uh, to host events and concerts and engage the neighborhood who wouldn't necessarily come on a Sunday morning to church but would come listen to a gospel concert where we can share the gospel and connect with them. Yeah. And so we're trying to think about how do we use the space in relationship to other nonprofit ministries in our neighborhood, as well as with the coffee shop and inviting people in. And that could be a a very significant project. And uh, we're still gathering details on how large of a project that will be. Uh, But we're just prayerfully considering, we want that building to be useful. One of the things we talk about is, Uh, We think about buildings in light of being employees. Mm -hmm. We're investing money. And just like I would want to see an employee go off to get more education and training to come back as a better employee is investing money in that person. uh, We want to see the annex kind of hold its own. Can can it be a useful employee? And what does it look like for us to invest in that employee to make it better? That's good. Um, And I think that's a, a great vision for you know, us as church members that as we give uh, money to, especially as we look at the budget every year, you know, a significant portion is uh, for the facilities. And so, you know, I think that's a worthy endeavor to to invest in. Um, just practically, Mark, if, you know, a member is like, hey, we, we have a great idea to, you know, maybe partner with Hinson or maybe use the annex building. Like what, what's the practical step? Do they contact you? Who, like, who do they talk to? Yeah, so um, really, I mean, any member could talk to elders, staff about uh, those ideas and get them rolling. And we're thrilled to kind of hear from members on what are ways that we could be using our facility as you get to know the neighborhood, as you have opportunity for gospel relationship. What's a better way to connect with them? And can we use our facilities in that way to invite people in? One example I think of is Jerry. Yeah. And what, yeah, you want to tell us what Jerry has been doing the past year? Yeah, so Jerry, uh, member at Henson, Jerry Sumter, um, had started an art studio and we were able to uh, rent a space to him where he's able to bring people in to a building where they often get to engage with Henson staff or people in the coffee shop. And otherwise, they would never really consider going into a church building or interacting with Christians. And it has provided a great gospel witness. 
Um, but even outside of that, uh, Lord willing, as we move forward using that building in better ways and having it be more usable is, are there things that we can do at the coffee shop of, uh, you know, storytelling opportunities, um, small music opportunities where we get to invite the public in. If there are other ideas like that, we'd love to hear from the congregation. And uh, that's with me. That's with any of the elders and staff. That's Great. with Andy Matsuoka, who's over, overseeing the facilities. Awesome. Practical. Well, there, there you have it, listeners. Uh, if you want to get more involved in that way, uh, you know who to contact. So contact the elders, contact Andy Matsuoka, contact Mark. Um, I wanted to transition a little bit, you know, as we were thinking about, uh, you know, church housing and living in the neighborhood and kind of this culture of hospitality that you guys were mentioning. Um, do you, yeah. How do we, maybe if we don't live in close proximity um, to the Hinson building, you know, how do we cultivate that same type of, hospitality in our own own homes jim you just moved away from you know you used to live here but so like tell tell us and encourage us like how do we cultivate that yeah um it was it was different when i was living here next to the church um it was actually a little bit easier uh and so i had have to be very intentional uh when we moved back to our current neighborhood which is where we lived before um but uh, I just had, you know, I think we all just have to have that mentality when we're talking to our neighbors, which we all do, uh, that how can I engage them a little more significantly rather than just standing on the sidewalk as they're walking by, walking their dogs or something. And so I believe we just have to be thinking that all the time, like, can we have this couple over uh, Saturday night? And yeah. uh, I've just gone around sometimes in, the, in our neighborhood knocking on doors of people that I know or don't know and say, hey, we're going to have a little get together three o'clock Saturday afternoon out on our deck. And uh, can you come? Well, maybe, maybe not, they say. And so so we have the little get together and people show up. Uh, you just have to be nice to them, you know. <laughs> and, uh, That's awesome. So, Jim, yeah. you literally just go door by door. Yeah. And do you have a flyer with you, or what do you what do you do? What do you like? What does that mean? <laughs> or you just knock on the door? Like, is this a secret knock or something? Or yeah, he's wearing black pants. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, yeah. Wait, right. Do you have a name tag too? You know. <laughs> yeah. No, I just have these uh, door hangers. You know. Okay. Up, I want to put a new roof on your house or something. No, no. I just. Uh, I mean, they, people know me around because I'm yeah. always walking around. And, and, uh, but what I, what I love about that, Jim, is there's nothing like special about just because you live here. You, like you have to be intentional. There has to be de deliberateness. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not like it's just going to happen. You got to create those opportunities to engage with neighbors and knock on their doors and say, hey, come over to a barbecue 3 p.m. on right. Saturday night or Saturday afternoon. The other thing is I'm I, I try to be pretty upfront that I am a follower of Christ. Uh, so I don't want people to be shocked or something or like, yeah. oh my goodness, no surprises. I don't want to be around these people when they come to our house. So they they all know, and uh, they don't know that I'm going to preach to them, which I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think a couple of things that I think through, PK, mm -hmm. um, you know, in relationship to Jim's situation, not living directly in this neighborhood around the church, uh, is... That like Jim and, and other families, it, you are able to engage with other Henson families that live near you. And so you're not separate from the church just because you're not close proximity. Uh, there are other families living nearby. And so I've always been really encouraged to hear of Henson families who gather and, and to say, hey, we're going to bring some of our unsaved neighbors into our household 
But we also want you as a close Henson neighbor to come over as well to spend time. And so looking for people who are close to you in community, looking through the directory and figuring out who lives near me, that we can kind of build that relationship because we're in the same neighborhood. I think the second idea that always stands out to me is just uh, as Jim talks about being prepared and kind of inviting people over intentionally is just preparing when we come to church on Sundays is what does it look like to engage people coming out of the service? Yeah. There are people who show up who are first time visitors, who are unbelievers, yeah. who are just coming from the neighborhood sometimes. And for them to walk in and walk out and no one engage them w- would be really sad. And I'm, I'm really thrilled that I think our congregation does this well. But to continue to press us to say, hey, what does it look like? You know, do you have the means to just like make extra food on Sunday morning so that you're prepared to invite whoever's there that you meet on Sunday morning over and say, hey, I've already got extra lunch. Let's come hang out uh, and just have lunch with us. And, you know, if you can't find anyone that Sunday, uh, put it in containers, store it up for the rest of the week, find someone else to invite over on Monday. But to plan in a way that says I'm ready to invite people in rather than being surprised by that and thinking, man, I wish I had been better prepared. Yeah. But both of those are so encouraging. Uh, Jim, you know, the intentionality and then Mark, just that willingness and readiness for, you know, you, you don't know what's going to happen, you know, after a Sunday morning service, but Hey, I'm ready for, if there's a new visitor, let's bring them in, you know, let's get to know them. And, um, I love that. And the other thing that you guys were mentioning is like, you're bringing in other church members into your home. And if that means, you know, you're living on the West side, you're doing that with the folks that live in the West side. And if you live in Northeast Portland, you're, you're really cultivating almost like what's happening here at, you know, Taylor street and, um, salmon. It's like, we want that to be embodied in all these other locations where really the gospel starts to just go out to the greater Portland area. Um, and I think that's a worthy endeavor for us to continue to cultivate. One of the things that uh, is always thrilling to see is when there's an individual or a couple family that moves into church housing uh, for a year or two and are able to experience the closeness of this community. And yet they, they move out and they take that to a neighborhood somewhere else and continue to just flourish in that because they realize, oh, this, it doesn't require that we live next door to each other. Uh, even with the, we're in close proximity, let's yeah. invite those families over. Let's build community where we are. Yeah. And, uh, and so it's really cool to see that as families kind of catch that vision, even if they're here for a short period of time in church housing. Yeah, I love that. Um, w- w- uh, just I'm just going to go through different uh, situations here and just encouragements uh, for these particular situations. So first, um, like how would you encourage uh, members that, you know, maybe our space is too small? Like we, we can't really host. Like w- w- how would you counsel us? Well, there are probably several things. It's a matter of being creative mm-hmm. in all these things. Uh, so rather than just think, oh, I don't have the room. Uh, well, who does have the room? So perhaps, as Mark is saying, there's another church family fairly close to you. So could we use, you know, over, invite ourselves over? Uh, there's always, uh, sometimes there are, there are areas in the church that could be used for certain things. Uh, there's in the summertime, Go outside. It's pretty, pretty nice. Um, so you, you just have to, whatever your situation is. If you're having a small apartment, well, maybe there's a, a common space mm-hmm. in the apartment building. You know, there's a lot of things. Yeah, I think that uh, David and Chris Lawrence, uh, who are supported workers, are a good example of this. They were in our carriage house, which is mm-hmm. a really small space uh, here in church housing, 
And uh, it was a really tough place to host. It, it just is. It's it's not laid out great for hosting. And yet they kind of just bit the bullet, you know, and, yeah. it, and they just said, look, like it is what it is. It's the space we have. So come on in, sit with us. Like it, granted, they couldn't have a family of 10 over, yeah. but they could have an individual or a couple uh, come over and have just it's, it's close quarters, but they would spend time together. And so part of what I would encourage folks with is don't let the type of space you have limit you because uh, we kind of all just recognize, you know, God has given us uh, certain assets and uh, has has given us stewardship over these things. And so whatever he's given me, I'm going to use at this time. Yeah. If that means things are a little cramped and uncomfortable, I think we're going to survive. Yeah. And it's less about the entertainment aspect but it's like hey come in come into my life and let's let us know each other and be known by each other and if it's a little uncomfortable and you're you know eating cup noodle it's great like yep. you know the main thing is how do we get you know relationships being built and then also letting the word drive that that's awesome um another situation um maybe financially we're just not in a a, a situation where we can kind of host things like what encouragements would you have for those kinds of well, situations potluck um, and uh, there's always, there's always, like Mark said, it doesn't have to be fancy. You can have something that's just like hardly anything, uh, soup or whatever. And uh, what I found is that people, they, they don't really care. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have some big spread or if you have something that's very meager. It really doesn't matter. And I, I totally agree with Jim. I think, all right, be creative. Maybe it doesn't have to be a full meal. Just you know, make a thing of brownies and invite someone over to eat brownies with you. I mean, it doesn't even have to be food to be. I was honest, like, Mark, right? I, I can see where your heart is at right now <laughs> with some brownies. I'm a little hungry. Um, but I think Jim, probably even your experience and my very, very limited experience overseas um, is just realizing in different cultures, it was just a joy to have people in your house yeah, and, and right. to be with people who are just dirt poor, who would say, just come in, like be with us in our space. That's we value the fellowship. It doesn't have to be this miraculously huge and right. flamboyant. Thing. Yeah, that's great. Uh, and some people are even uncomfortable if they go to somebody's house and it's too perfect. Uh, they'd rather have somebody who's a little bit sloppy sometimes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's all right. Um, any last word on either church properties and then also on culture of hospitality? Like any last comments on that? Brilliant um, ideas. I guess the only thing I'd say is, uh, in general, we have to be careful that we don't put any property uh, or advancement of a property as an end in itself. That's just not it. We all, you know, on the set, <clears throat> uh, we all know that that uh, you know God wants to use our or use the things that we want uh, that we have available to us. So uh, just use them and have that environment but the ministry is way more important than any kind of building yeah that's yeah cool. and actually it, it's funny that that's kind of the last thing you want to emphasize jim because I, I want to emphasize that on kind of our own possessions side of things is uh, our lives should not be caught up in the house that we have in the property that we own yeah um it, it none of that's going to last right it's the relationships and so Whatever God has blessed you with at this time, yes, steward that well, be wise. Uh, maybe maybe there is wisdom in growing what you have, 
uh, but use it well for ministry to invest in people's lives because that's ultimately what matters. Yeah. Amen. Well, thanks for casting pods with me. Uh, it was a pleasure to have you. That's Mark, I, this is my first time interviewing you. Yeah, man. And uh, Jim, this is your first episode. So uh, looking forward to uh, having you guys come to cast pods once more. Thanks, great, man. All right. Bye, guys. See you. Bye. Bye.